wonderful. It's been a while since I last heard this <laughs> recording in progress. Yeah, you can kind of switch it off, right? If oh, I yeah, I didn't realize it was on. Yeah, because okay, because so, I couldn't hear. Well, okay, so let's get started. Hey everyone, this is Discover Team Podcast, and it's been a while. Yeah, I don't even remember what episode that is. Probably fifth. We've lost okay. count, although we haven't had many. That many. Yeah, so we've been we've been MIA for a long time. Yeah, right. A lot. But yeah, hey girls, and it's just so happy to see you today. Like, and finally getting down to this business and recording the next episode. So today we've got this special episode where we are not like zeroing in on the one topic, and we are just answering your questions, guys. Uh, the profound questions that you left on VK, on IG, thank you very much for, yeah, your interest. So that's going to be it. Going to go with the flow, I guess. So yeah, let's going to just pick the questions we want to elaborate on and see how it goes. Yeah, that's let's roll with it. Okay. So yeah, so uh, this first question, I think, uh, let's just deal with um, IG stuff. We've got only one question there. Yeah, it was about volunteering. Um, to be honest, I'm, I'm not really, I, I think I haven't ever had this experience in my life, unfortunately, though I would love to kind of, you know, make up for it. But still, I know that we've got one person who is into volunteering, right? Yeah, I actually, I got super psyched when I saw the question because, uh, this was a life-changing experience for me and, uh, uh, like I do have volunteering experience. I did uh, EVS, uh, which stands for uh, European Volunteer Service, uh, a few years ago, like in 2016, I think. Um, now it's called differently. They renamed it, and now it's like European Solidarity Corps. Uh, but anyways, like it's a uh, program sponsored, like funded by the European Commission. So it's not like some local business, it's huge. And anybody from the European Union or neighboring countries, uh, including Russia, can take part in it. It's um, like a youth initiative. So young people aged from 18 to 30 can participate. And um, there are different types of work like you can work um well they are all um ong so they are all non-profit organizations and um basically the idea is that you can spend up to 12 months uh, volunteering in a foreign country uh, and enjoy your time there and help people so uh, what kind of work were you into um i actually um like I took it the easy way, easy way because uh, at that time I had already been working as a teacher for for a few years, and I was looking for some teaching experiences, but in another country. And actually, like my choices were rather limited. I wanted to go to Spain, and that was my like only option. <laughs> so I was uh, exclusively looking for projects in Spain, um, and. Um, of uh, like at that 
time in my life, I was sort of stuck in a rut. So I just needed a change. And uh, I only found, like, I wasn't too picky. Uh, I think I found, like, two or three projects that sparked my interest because, uh, like, they were in Spain. Uh, they were about teaching. So I knew exactly what I would be doing. And uh, uh, I sent my CV and um, motivation letter and... Uh, I got a response from one project and I, and I just went for it and I was like, okay, like I'm going, <laughs> welcome Spain. Uh, and, uh, as I wasn't too picky at the time, it, that was a mistake because I ended up, uh, living in a tiny, tiny village in the middle of nowhere in the North of Spain. Uh, but still it was. It was an amazing experience uh, and uh, as it's about like youth in action, uh, there were other volunteers, not in my village, but in uh, different towns and cities around uh, and we had uh, like volunteers again like from Europe and from nearby countries. Uh, and we had um, trainings together. Uh, there was this on arrival training, and then there was sort of like midterm training. Uh, yeah, I spent a year there. Like I uh, went all in, and I just wanted to get the most of it, like make the most of it. And uh, yeah, I just uh, applied for a project that lasted for twelve months. Uh, and I, I, can I can I ask you? So, am I getting it right? Were you teaching English? I had the same question. Uh, yes, yeah. yes, I was. I was teaching English. Spanish uh, speakers. Uh, right? Oh, uh, that must have been a doozy. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, it was like, uh, I spoke Spanish. <laughs> uh -huh. no, it wasn't that hard for me. But there was one thing that I hadn't really taken into account. The problem was that, uh, like, as you probably know, Spain has four official languages. Uh, and like... Uh, I speak the like Spanish, Spanish, the most traditional one. Uh, but then, uh, the I was volunteering in uh, Galicia. Uh, that is a region in the north of Spain, and like one of Spain's official languages is Galician, which means that like in small villages like mine, they weren't really speaking Spanish. They were all speaking Galician um, because like that's their first native language um, and. It wasn't too hard, uh, but still I needed some time to get used to it because it's like, it, it's like a mixture of Spanish and Portuguese. So like you can't understand it. It's just some words are different, uh, some grammar is different, uh, the accents is totally insane. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Is this how you grew to be like a digital nomad? Like you still exactly. travel. <laughs> yeah, this is what I wanted to talk about because uh, this is like before that I only I was only teaching offline, of course. Uh, but then, as I had to move and spend a whole year away, uh, I talked to my students and I was like, "Yeah, we should give it a shot." And to my own surprise, quite a few of them agreed. So that was the time when I sort of like dip my toe in teaching online. Um, I was a complete amateur at the time because I didn't know what to start with. And I think I was using Skype and like Google Docs uh, because I didn't know 
much about it and there wasn't much information because like uh it was still not that um ubiquitous as it is right now yeah um yeah uh, but still yeah that was a game changer for me and one of the best experiences i've had in my life one of the biggest fears i'd have that are that have to do with being a digital nomad is a good internet connection like do you find it everywhere like that's the biggest problem yeah that's why I'm, i feel stuck here even though i know that i'm i can work online i can travel even like across russia but internet connection is a must right when you teach in classes i wouldn't uh want my students to like to go to have to to have to suffer through all those constant interruptions and breakups sound breakups so how did you deal with it uh did you get into funny situation maybe i mean like you can always find a way <laughs> and uh i am so grateful to my students because they were super patient with me and they had to bear with me all the time we, we've tried different no the connection was not ideal i'd say uh out of all the places I, i've worked in all the countries russia has the best internet connection uh and um but my students are sort of used to it uh and we've tried many different things like uh when the connection is not great uh you can always use other like ways other than zoom or skype like we've used messengers and uh for instance like i was um uh having a call on uh, whatsapp and then uh like we would work on uh, google sheets or uh, google docs uh, so Well, if there is a really resourceful. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like I was super motivated not to stay in Russia and travel and uh make the most of my time <laughs> abroad. Did it shape you into the kind of teacher you are now in a way, you think? Uh in what way? Yeah, like perhaps uh well it it has definitely taught me to be more flexible. Um and uh not stress too much about uh the inconveniences and sort of like be more patient yeah, it's like well, pumping like your patience muscle right like taking everything in your stride it's such a great skill it's actually one of these essential skills i think these days just keeping your cool right mm -hmm. yeah or playing it cool <laughs> like you know like fake until you make it and uh, as long as the student thinks that everything's fine like uh we're doing the right thing everything's going according to the plan and i'm happy <laughs> that's a yeah great strategy i guess for a teacher to always yeah, keep your cool and just yeah smile on yeah pretend it's on the roll with that <laughs> or just being like okay the connection is lousy today so i'm gonna just fix it find the other way around it next time it's okay we all it's like it's technology it's faulty so Yeah, I know, but I always like low key freak, like I low key freak out whenever I have like, like a snag or something. So yeah, easier said than done. Mm -hmm. I, I recently had it. I had a class um, and my internet went off and I freaked out during the whole class. I managed to use my mobile internet, but I felt so guilty, you know, because it was the first time and um, I, I kind of feel that people expect me. Oh, I hate this word, but I... I feel that I have a lot of, I think that everybody has a lot of expectations of me that they expected me to be there for them. And I couldn't, like, I tried to figure out 
the internet problems for around 10 minutes. Uh, they were actually, they were fine. They were having a blast there without me, but I felt like they needed me here and I wasn't there for them. I was really hard on myself that day. So yeah, I'm so super excited that Dasha, it taught Dasha not to take it personally, right? And just to... I mean, I still take it personally, but I just try to convince myself that it's okay. It's life, like nobody's perfect and things happen and that's okay. <laughs> yeah, some things are just out of your control. Yeah. Near human. <laughs> They're only human, yeah. So we kind of brought up this idea of um, a career, right, I think. So there was a question about our careers and like this professional path. So what do you think, guys, about it? I think it kind of makes sense. Yeah. First of all, I was super excited to find out. That's kind of funny because um, I've spent some time talking to Daria before, but I but I had no idea that she was up to such a nice life-changing experience. So I kind of realized that I, I know very little about you, uh, let alone uh, people in the community. <laughs> so uh, Tama, do you mind taking uh, this question about like your career path and illuminating us a little bit, shedding some light on what you've been through? Okay, yeah, sure. So many people are surprised when they hear that I didn't have like English um, yeah, classes in a state school. I just studied French all my life, um, like yeah, in my adolescence. And I didn't speak a word of English until I entered the university. And But still, yeah, my main focus was in French. Um, and uh, like we had like so many classes we studied like French culture and French history and all things French. And we had so few English classes. And I guess in my second year, I started yeah, tutoring kind of, um, yeah. French classes or English? Um, yeah, that's, that's how I realized that French, uh, like one and one classes was, were not in demand. So, um, that's why I kind of switched gears and I just had so many, so much, there was, um, such high demand for English classes because, uh, my kids study yeah, English at school. And so that's how I realized that, uh, even though I was yeah, deeply in love with French, but it wasn't much in demand. So I had to pull out all the stops and you know, just brush up on my English as soon as fast as possible. Um, right. But so yeah, after graduation, I kind of, um, I got a job in an English school, like a private yeah, English school and worked there, um, for a year. I taught, yeah, school kids and, and the French was, uh, put on the back burner. But yeah, working at the school, that's when I realized that I wasn't cut out for working with kids. <laughs> right. And yeah, and that's, that's, yeah, kind of those hardships, yeah, shaped me in the way like I am now. I, um, cause I gravitate towards, yeah, working with adult adults and yeah, working online so I can, yeah, meet people from all walks of life and, um, so have you been working online ever since you quit that school? Yeah. Yeah. I quit it, um, after a year. Yeah. And I got a job at an online school 
and worked there for three years, um, as well as like did a bit of freelancing. Okay. Uh, how did it feel like like teaching your first adult a student? Did it feel oh. like, yeah, it all clicked. Like it's exactly what I wanted to be doing in my life. Yeah, exactly. It felt like a, a breath of fresh air because we were equals and we could just speak on the same mm, yeah, topics. Mm. So yeah, it was just, I realized it was my jam. And so that's what I've been doing ever since. Nice. Um, sounds very much like my journey. Um, one difference is that I've always been into English ever since I first heard the first word in English. It got me hooked ever since. Like it was, I was six years old. Um, and yeah, I was just always intrigued by the sounds and stuff. So I guess that's where my journey starts because, uh, like every time I heard a word, I would repeat it and I would try to, you know, get it th exactly the same way. Then I obviously entered the university. Uh, I I get a diploma and I'm a teacher of two languages, uh, English and Spanish. Don't even ask me. Oh, wow. Spanish. Yes, Spanish was my second. And I was, I'm actually in love with it too. And at some point I wanted to become an, a, a teacher of Spanish, but something got in the way. I don't know, probably my love um, to English. <laughs> Anyways. Lack of good books. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It's impossible to teach that yeah. issue. We have to come up with our own book first uh, in order to, uh, yeah, pivot there. So what I was going to say is that I had, why I mentioned that it was similar to my experience, because the first year after graduation, I also worked in a private state school with teenagers, seven graders, eight graders, uh, nine graders. And I actually enjoyed it. I love kids. They love me. I think that I have a knack for communicating with them. And um, it was a lot of fun because um, the school had advanced uh, English study. So basically, I was exposed to a lot of English. And the books they were using, they were old Russian books. But oh my God, they were hard for me. Uh, a recent fresh out of school, I didn't know a lot of words. I spent hours, nights, pulled in all-nighters preparing for those classes. It was fun. But there was um some okay there were some there was some disagreement um with like the school principal and i had to leave actually and then i worked for language schools uh quite a few it was a fantastic experience i got to meet a lot of uh teachers and back in the day i also started juggling online work and offline work I was a fan of offline work, but I just wanted to have something like a backup plan, you know, or something just, I, I didn't know what like life had in store for me. And it was such a, it was one of the best decisions because at some point of my life, I had to move to Varanish. I mean, I might've told, mentioned that before. And that online job basically saw me through the first months as I was still adjusting, as I was like uh, finding my feet in the new uh, place and looking for a job. And then, yeah, by the way, upon moving to Varanish, I was really worried about my language skills going rusty. And I took part in speaking classes, these advanced of uh, discover your English fluency. That's what they're called right now. And yeah, it's been a life changer for, for me because ever since um, I've been working here with you guys and uh, with our wonderful followers, obviously, teaching them, helping them. Uh, bring their language to the next level. That's about it. 
um, yeah, long story short, my teaching journey uh, in a few words. And thank you I for think. sharing. Yeah, there were some yeah new tidbits I didn't know about you. Uh, all right. Yeah, that's why we're, this is where your fascination with foreign words in English comes, okay. comes from, right? Like uh, your videos about Spanish. I think you kicked it off with Spanish. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I just think I realized now, right? And this string of amazing videos and so much. Did you ever, like, have you ever toyed with an idea of like studying another language? I remember you once brought up French. Um, yes, I did. I did. Well, first of all, um, Spanish, um, I mean, it's the language that always puts a smile on my face whenever I hear it. So I knew that I loved it. And at some point of my life, actually, I uh, got back to learning Spanish. It was like maybe five years ago. But there is no practical reason for me to learn it. Like, I'm not really into Spanish music or Spanish movies, to be honest. Uh, so I only did it for the trip that I had planned uh, to Spain. Uh, when it comes to French, I've never been uh, a fan of French in the slightest, uh, especially when I was at school and there were people like who were studying French. I'm sorry, maybe that's some stereotypical, I have a stereotypical image of French. And also like, you know, people who were learning French back when I was, was at uni, we were not on the same page. Like we were super different. Like the Spanish group, we were all super united, having fun, going to parties. And there was the French group. And it was nothing like me and other people. And I'm like, somehow it shaped my vision of what French language is. But then I watched Emily in Paris <laughs> and I kind of fell in love with French. I was like, and actually a few songs, when I listened to French songs, especially French rap, I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. And maybe I just, I had a misperception, you know, uh, and I looked at it with the fresh eyes. And yes, I did have this urge to start learning French. I had to nip it in the bud because there are always like more important things to do. So basically it never, it never amounted to anything, but I did have this feeling. French and also Japanese. I love the way Japanese sounds. I don't know why, but I'm just smitten every time I hear a Japanese, a Japanese speech or a Japanese spe uh, person speaking, I'm like music to my ears. Yeah. Uh, I, I like, I, I've tried to learn quite a bunch of languages. I was. Finnish, then I learned Spanish, French, Italian, and as you said, it didn't amount to much in my life, but it's just like, you know, trying stuff. It's not like, um, valuing like this question, what's the point over the experience, you know, of just immersing myself into something like seeing it from the insides. And I never regretted, for example, I spent a year trying to you know, untangle Chinese characters and just trying to kind of see where it fits in my personality. And it kind of helped me probably to build new neuron pathways or whatever, but I'm sure I'm not going to be like a fluent Chinese speaker anytime. So maybe not in this life even, but and still it's cool just to have this experience, you know, on my tool belt. So yeah, languages are fascinating, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, exactly. And I, I feel like you have this, whenever I feel this kind of urge, like I need to, you know, learn a new language in order like to put myself in the student's shoes to be a beginner once again. Uh, but there is this nagging thought, like, yeah, you could still like work on your English. There's so much to learn. So there's, there's this imposter syndrome kicking in. <laughs> and 
Uh, exactly. Like I've always tried to be practical with languages. Like I would learn, like start learning a new language uh, before a trip. Uh, and this is how uh, I tried to learn Portuguese, Italian, French, of course. Uh, and it was okay. Like uh, you can always get through like A1 uh, to be able to uh, order things in a cafe or ask your way. And um, it's such a pleasant feeling when you're able to communicate with a person. I mean, like not real communication, uh, but still... Um, to be able to say a few words and then they understand you and there's this magic happening between you so <laughs> yeah yeah there is this little pocket of new me inside me like a new little baby of a personality somewhere there like in a new language maybe just in its inception but still some like a new room yeah inside me so that's the way i feel about it yeah but we're still um like laser focused on improving our English skills because we are, yeah, all of us. Uh, and probably because of the infamous imposter syndrome that Tama brought up. So, oh, Nina, I know you got a lot of things to get off your chest when it comes to imposter syndrome. I don't know, guys. I kind of, I feel like I am cursed uh, because I brought this topic up once and then I created like a whole class, you know, yeah, revolving yeah. around it. Like every time I feel compelled, I'm going to share something. Somehow I have this uh, idea of an imposter syndrome, like overshadowing everything. Um, I don't know if that's a coping mechanism, but I see that a lot of people kind of, I don't know, they also suffer from it, right? Like this consuming self-doubt, like this feeling of rejection. And I was like, for this uh, podcast, I was giving like a little thought to the topic and I thought about looking at it through the perspective of self-confidence. So it's more like it's boiled down to how confident you are, right? And um, I am. So I was, I, what Irina, last time you brought up this affirmation thing. And I also realized I have this uh, affirmation, like my little mantra that um confidence is not like feeling great all the time not like feeling i'm great i'm not like, rocking it i'm nailing it it's just um self-esteem is what i build like with myself what i think about myself for example who i am what are my insecurities what i believe in what heels i'm gonna you know climb what heels i'm gonna die on and like knowing these things is already like being confident in a way, yeah, like shaping this image of myself. And uh, when I feel rejected by other people, and I like, I think we are all at times rejected, like by students, by, I don't know, friends, yeah, whoever in our life. It's like, it's okay. Rejection is a part of life. And I kind of challenge myself, yeah. So, yeah, my self-esteem is not based off someone's rejection. It's based off what I think about myself, right? So, yeah, this is it. And I experience so much this crippling feeling of, you know, disintegration as a teacher, as a professional, when I was criticized by my students or when I was criticized by this harsh self-critic inside me. And uh, realizing that I have this truth thing inside me, that I know who I am, that I know for sure that I'm trying to get English down to a fine art 
yeah, that I'm trying to do my best to be like professional, finesse my teaching skills. It's just so kind of liberating because I have this true thing inside me I can fall back on. So yeah, um, my takeaway message about imposter syndrome is probably just having to face those feelings. Yeah, this kind of being not for everyone. And I'm not for everyone and you are not for everyone. If you feel like you are for everyone, you are not being you, right? So this is it. Just like racking up rejections and see how many rejections I can survive in this life. So this is my take on imposter syndrome and facing it in like in my teaching and in my life actually, because I think it's kind of, you know, spreads all over you know, when you have it. Well, so, yeah, it's so sobering to realize that even such a top-notch um, like professional <laughs> experience goes through such things. So just, yeah, it, I guess it never goes away. It will be like haunting you, but being able to um recognize it and yeah nip um those thoughts in the bud in the bud in the bud um it's yeah yeah it's life-changing it's not even like about nipping it's just i realized i'm so done with shaping myself into someone confident into someone healthy i'm just want to make some colorful choices in my life and just just enjoy experiences. Okay, I'm insecure. I'm just, I need people's approval, right? This is who I am. Yeah, this is how I'm off kilter. But okay, I'm just gonna enjoy my life anyway by making some bold choices. Yeah. Right. So that's a great um, way to look at it because um, I think that for the biggest part of my teaching career, I've been also struggling with it. I, I still am. That's why I'm using. I've been uh, also struggling with it. And, you know, I found a different approach to deal with it. So every time imposter syndrome will kick in, what I would do, I would um, recognize my like uh, shortcomings when it comes to the language or my teaching skills. And I would try to hone them. I would get a certificate. I would read a book. I would, I don't know, talk to a teacher. I would like I was trying to solve a problem all the time that I thought was holding me back from being who I wanted to be or uh, from like, you know, keeping up with teachers who I looked up to. So basically, I knew that there, there were always people better than me. There are people better than me. There will be uh, teachers, language speakers better than me. So uh, obviously, I'm not interested in anyone. I mean, sorry, not interested, maybe not the right word, but I, why would I compare with myself with somebody who is... Um, like still behind me, right? You see what I mean? I would always look up to those people and think, oh, why am I not there? I'm not good enough because I'm not there. And I would try to solve this problem, uh, applying all those different techniques. I just mentioned the course, uh, an exam, a certificate, um, what else? A book, whatever. And like Nina's approach right now, uh, it's kind of different. It's about your mindset and it's about accepting what you are uh, appreciating what you've learned, appreciating you yourself as a person and as a professional, rather than trying to constantly keep up with Joneses by racking up all those achievements. Yeah, like trying to emanate someone's personality is a recipe for a no peace, you know, uh, for the rest of your life, I think. And, and it doesn't mean that I never get into this trap. Of course I do. I need 
and it's only natural yeah to to be there at times but i just realized that when i'm trying to come across as someone else like people can smell it and on top of that i get this regret like people reject me and i get this regret wait but it's not even me like I was trying to act as someone like, you know, trying to probably, probably be like a carbon copy of another person. Like, but yeah, if you kind of inject it in small doses, probably it works. But if you're kind of obsessed with someone and kind of ashamed, uh, like you're, you're saying that you're not professional enough. Yeah. That's, that's a disaster. Nina, that's a very high level of self-awareness to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not sure I'm there yet. Uh, but still, at, at least just talking to you about it um, and you sharing your views on that, that already, uh, that's very helpful. So thank you for doing that. Yeah. And now like listening to you makes me realize that imposter syndrome has determined my career path because <laughs> what I've been doing the whole time was what Irina just mentioned, just trying to keep up with somebody, like setting a new goal every time, finding this new person every time who's better, smarter, uh, I, I don't know, everything that I'm not, uh, and trying to get there. And this is what I've been like doing because at some point, um, like at certain points <laughs> in my career, I was feeling that I was stuck, that I was like good enough. And then I would find something else and I would set a new goal, but it was always from not it, it, like, it never came from within. It always came from somewhere. Like I would see this person, I don't know, offline or online. And I was like, yeah, I would like to be like that, like that yeah. person. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, uh, at the same time, I don't see anything wrong with, um, setting goals. And I guess that's how I became who you, who I am right now. And I mean, it kind of happens, um, inadvertently, like first I think, okay, I'm, I'm working in this, um, like small language school. I was like, yeah, I'd, I'd love to be working with adults, but in, in, in my like small ass town, there are no people, adults who would like to, yeah, learn English. So, but I would love to be working with them. So I just. Yeah, get this online job and get to be working with adults. And then I think, but yeah, I'd really love to work with some higher level students. And I, so I get like intermediate, upper intermediate, and then I'm like, but I'll, it'd be nice to be working with like other teachers and be able to help them. And here, yeah, here I am. And then I'm like, but yeah, if I was able to teach pronunciation and help your people on that. Kind of, yeah, step by step, and then now I'm thinking like, yeah, what's next? Yeah, but so. that's different from what Daria told us. I mean, you see, you you coming from within. You're like, but what if I I I would love to try something different? Or I would love to um, challenge myself. Yeah, so that's that's way to go. Yeah, it's like throwing things up against the wall and seeing what sticks. Like trying things out and how they fit you, right? Whether they kind of click with you, uh, you know, if you don't mind, there was one question, um, uh, about reaching a peak in your career. Have you seen that? Yeah. Yeah. How do you not see anything when you're reached? Yes. Yes. Because I'm like, what if actually, I never thought about that before, because I know that there is, uh, for me, like we're teaching teachers or working with higher levels. It's not necessarily a peak of your career. I mean, you can have a lot of fun teaching beginners. I think that's also 
um, th there is a lot of work to do and room for improvement this area. I mean, so it's not like, oh, when I get to the higher teaching higher levels, that's it, that I'm done, right? No, it's not no, the way we're niche, right? That yeah, absolutely for yourself, just a, and just another niche. Absolutely. Yeah, it's kind of arbitrary. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, how I so, saw it. But then I guess once you've mastered one thing, you can always, because teaching is such a broad field, like you can always um, tweak things and uh, like tweak your path slightly uh, and go into a different direction. And like, I don't know, there are so many things you can do as a teacher, as a language teacher, like content creation or, uh, I don't know, blogging or uh creating podcasts uh or i don't know starting a youtube channel so you can do whatever you want so once i guess if you feel like you've reached a certain i wouldn't call it a peak but like a certain point uh then uh, and you don't know where how to move on like what to do next you can always just uh step aside branch out look what's there <laughs> exactly I'm kind of done with thinking about my career as something linear, probably reaching some peak. And then it's just, it's just, I don't know, it's just life. Yeah. And I think when I strike this notorious uh, work-life balance, that's going to be yeah. like when my career is not like eclipsing everything in my life, that's going to be the pinnacle of it. <laughs> yeah, totally. I have the same thoughts about it um so first of all i wouldn't want to see that i'm like growing up and then at some point it's, it's only the way down no i don't want to see it that way it's a uh, one way to look at things but um opportunities are endless and honestly i would love uh in my case i love thomas approach a lot uh it's just that i'm not like that i'm usually like okay i'm just gonna sit here and see what life gives me because I trust the course of my life and it usually like doesn't fail me actually. It usually brings me some nice uh, acquaint uh, like uh, meetings, you know, or opportunities, job opportunities, whatever. So this is my way of going and I don't want to think that, okay, that's the best I can do in life, what I'm doing right now. I'm pretty sure there is more to it and I just need to wait and see what life has in store for me. <laughs> so just yeah. You never know, and you can actually end up doing something completely different. Maybe you're going to pivot in your career and turn your hobby into something grand. Yeah, about that, um, have you ever thought what you would do if you weren't teaching, if like you wake up one one day and just realize you're done with it? Yeah, I had enough. <laughs> it's just so deeply ingrained into my personality now. I don't know whether it's a good or a bad thing, but I can't even kind of conjure up an, an image of myself not teaching. Yeah, because it takes the bulk of my waking hours. Mm -hmm. So as for me, you know, guys, I'm crazy about plants right now. I have this obsession, but um, I don't think it's going to grow into something, you know, something professional uh, because um, I love what like the, um, this freedom teaching gives you right now, uh, especially online teaching because you have no commodities, right? You just have your computer and, uh, uh, the language you're teaching and it's not tangible, right? But when you deal with plans, you have to touch a lot, you have to buy a lot, 
Like there is so many, there are so many things you have to kind of take into this equation and it's so tiring. Like dealing with these objects, I realize it's very tiring for me. And they are like living creatures and they are sick at times and they need my attention a lot. So I'm not sure I'm, I'm ready for this commitment. So probably, yeah, like uh, a relief. Yeah, like this kind of therapeutic effect in my life when I just can you know, indulge it to it after a long day spent in front of the computer. But more than that, not so sure. What about no. you? What about your hobbies? Um, all right. Yeah, when you were talking about plants, like nurturing them and taking care of them and see them like grow or get sick, I kind of thought of yeah, students because I guess they kind of share something in common. Oh, yeah, it's gonna. Yeah, this but mothery plants and mothery students. Yeah, although plants, everything is kind of tangible and you can see everything that's like going on. But yes, for students, yeah, not not so much. Um, as for me, um, my obsessions is more of I I wouldn't call it an obsession, but I I'm into like baking um, stuff, and it, even once uh, took part in this kind of fair like selling uh cupcakes get out <laughs> years ago um i was i really thought of turning into a, a business um just for one second i guess but i'm still um yeah, kind of into it just yeah baking your goods just for as a like who wouldn't like a, a homemade like birthday cake um, like as a gift or something or just yeah that kind of thing since um yeah I we have like people over like pretty much every week um so I really love like indulging them with something yeah, sweet or some yeah something yeah delicious to tantalize their taste buds now I'd like to be your guest <laughs> <laughs> Okay. exactly <laughs> why didn't you like why did you change your mind you had this change of heart of not turning it into your side hustle uh, i don't know i just pour my heart and soul into it and i i, I don't think i could ever do this for yeah money it just yeah it takes it's so time consuming and i just do it it's more like an outlet yeah rather than it would you turn in into a chore i don't care for cooking yeah thank god my husband doesn't mind to pick up the slack but when it comes to something you know festive and yeah delicious because that's what yeah desserts or yeah something like that you yeah, are all about so that's where i uh, step in yeah this kind of necessity to do it on a regular basis just it gets all the buzz out of it right yeah, hundred percent. Right. I as we started talking about hobbies, I just realized one thing. So I told you that first of all, I was obsessed with English, and then it turned into my job. I can only see myself going this way. Like I don't think I could be doing any other job, which, um, like just for just to be in it for the money, for example, or just you know. So for me, it's important that I can spend hours and end doing something uh and I, I can see myself doing it for like for the rest of my life 
So I guess apart from English, uh, what might that be? Well, I'm really into yoga. Right now I'm into aerial yoga, which is done in hammocks. It's super fun, uh, but also, um, you know, keeps me in good shape. So I'm into that. And if, if, if I could, I guess I, I think I, I'm good at teaching people. So I'm pretty sure that I have a natural bent for it. So I might become a yoga teacher. And yeah, but that's the only thing I could come up with. It's still teaching. Apart from that, I cannot see myself doing anything else. Uh, but I kind of envision you being a designer. Like it's so obvious. Like look at you. Look at your like everything. Like the the quality stylist or something. Yeah. Thank you, but I'm a little bit too indecisive for it. Um, I, I mean, I, I can do that, but it takes a lot of time and my energy. So I would spend hours on end um, just racking my brain about what to like, you know, uh, matching things up or stuff. So I did it and I love it. I love the process. But again, doing it for myself or doing it for fun is different for doing it for money. So the moment when there is this obligation or there is a deadline to meet, it's much harder to stay creative and to... Yeah, right now, so I whenever, like, talking about, I love shopping, offline shopping. I love going, uh, just window shopping, trying things on. Um, but I don't have a pressure of buying something because if, quite often when I'm just going there, I come back empty-handed, like I bought nothing. If you are, uh, like, a stylist, for example, you have to pick something. For me, I usually just, um, yeah, I might not be in the mood or I might... Like, it's not my day-to-day, -day, so I'm not going to buy it. And if it's your job, um, there's no way you can behave that way. So that's why I'm still, uh, I don't think that's the right, like, I'm cut out to be that kind of person. But, you know, who knows? Yeah. Um, I guess it all ebbs and flows. And um, hobbies, they come and go as well. At some point, I was into this. Then kind of the novelty wore off. But yeah, English has been there for the biggest part of my life. And I guess it will always be, hopefully, but you never know. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you. That's, that means a lot to me that you notice that I kind of stuff. I can totally picture you doing that. I mean, you're saying you're not this kind of person, but you know that you can grow into this kind of person. But I'm not like trying to <laughs> cajole you into being a designer. It kind of maps onto your personality I can, the way I see it. And like yeah, okay. interact, listening to people, right? It's kind of our, our thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what you would do? Uh, I think something related to art, like art galleries. Because I, I've worked as a uh, museum guide uh, for a couple of years. Um, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, I had a whale of time. Like, I, I loved my job at the time. And I... I have sort of like always envisioned myself like if I um, if I wasn't teaching, uh, I would like to be this you know lady uh, wandering around the art gallery and just talking to people and talking about art and artists. So uh, yeah, I would love to do something like that. I don't know if there's a job for that, <laughs> like being a lady just walking in the gallery. <laughs> gallery host. <Stop. laughs> You can yeah. have your own gallery. Yeah. But mm. 
not that I know a lot about art at the moment, but I've always enjoyed museums and art galleries. And whenever I had uh, I have a chance, I always go to see some exhibitions. So um, yeah, that would be that would be idea. <laughs> that shop would be right up your alley. Yeah, mm. sounds fun. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, every single time like... we learn so much about each other. Like, right. <laughs> There's still so much that we don't know, even though like, yeah, we kind of meet up every single week, right? Talking about stuff, but uh, I guess there's more to us <laughs> than they are. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so shall we then wrap it up for today? Yeah. It's been, yeah, that's been an illuminating talk. And uh, thank you for um, again, thank you for posting your amazing questions. It wouldn't be the same without you because I wouldn't even, you know, so I wouldn't even think about uh, talking, touching upon some obvious, like seemingly obvious things, but still there is so much to unpack, to unravel every time. So thank you, dear, dear followers, subscribers for the questions. And I think we're going to cover some other questions next time. Yeah, like mm -hmm. as I as I posted in my comments, like there is the whole season covered for us now. I think there is no sh shortage of ideas. Yeah, totally. So, yeah. Um, yeah, let us know what you think about this episode. Yeah, whether you'd like us to, yeah, roll with, uh, yeah, those questions and maybe leave more questions for us if you have any under this, um, yeah, very, yeah, video or audio yeah whichever you're listening or watching <laughs> and so yeah i guess that's um that wraps it up yeah thank you so much bye 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 bye